from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Building the farm of the future. The biggest question is, you know, you know, is this machine that we're standing behind autonomous? We head to the Consumer Electronics Show, where farm tech is increasingly becoming the talk. Show pig stolen. Hear what happened to one family and their prize-winning pigs, and what you need to watch out for, as eggflation continues to be the story at the grocery store. I think about what our family could afford to pay for a cookie. I take that into consideration. We can't charge $5 a cookie. The impact it's having beyond the store aisle right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. It's no secret egg prices are high right now. Just how high? Take a look at this graphic from the Federal Reserve of St. Louis. You can see in December prices hit $4.25 a dozen. In January of last year, they were $1.92 a dozen for grade A eggs. As Vanessa Yurkovich explains, the surge is having a ripple effect. In chilly Palmer, Alaska, the demand for chickens and their eggs is heating up. I was already sold out even before the egg shortage. I was, I was selling everything I had. If you've been to the grocery store recently, you may have noticed fewer eggs and higher prices up about 11% last month on average from November, up nearly 60% in the last year. 11.49 for a dozen eggs in New York, 10.99 in Hawaii. I think it's ridiculous for it to be that much. The highly pathogenic avian influenza or avian flu is largely to blame. Nearly 58 million birds and climbing have died across 47 states in the last year, a result of the deadly virus. Wild birds can carry the disease and spread it to domestic flocks when they migrate. One wild bird coming into their chicken run, and next thing you know, 10 birds, 20 birds, 30 birds, they're just dropping dead. The avian flu is serious. Egg Shop, with two cafes in New York City, is struggling with prices on their main ingredient. The fall migration of wild birds sent avian flu cases spiking again. We go through seven to 9,000 eggs a week. So it's a significant amount of eggs. And in the last couple of weeks, they've jumped as high as 60%. How have you been able to absorb the high price increases of eggs? Unfortunately, we have raised all of our prices about 10% on our menu items. For some, the increased costs is too much. Baked After Dark Bakery in Nebraska will close its doors this weekend. I think about what our family could afford to pay for a cookie. I take that into consideration. We can't charge $5 a cookie. From the flu to the increases in uh, inflation, all combined together with the shortage, it is a perfect storm. And I definitely have seen the prices shoot up recently. Does that stop you from making the purchase? No, not at all. I'm just buying things to make a chicken cutlet and you need eggs as the basis for that too. It's one of the reasons why there's no way not to purchase them. Vanessa Yurkovich reporting. Egg prices, along with other grocery prices, are just one of the many components of higher inflation. And now, financial experts are putting a dollar figure on just how much more you're paying due to inflation. Moody's Analytics says a typical American spent an extra $371 last month due to inflation compared to a year ago. But they say the good news is that the cost of living shock appears to be easing and paychecks are starting to catch up. 
Now, at the inflation's peak last June, Moody's Analytics says the typical family spent an additional $502 per month compared with the year before. Those extra expenses apply to everything from rent to groceries to utilities. Now it's estimating people are spending $72 more on food right now. Some good news for a poultry producer in California that was waiting on feed with millions of chickens at risk of going unfed. Bloomberg reports feed stocks at Foster Farms have been replenished. Now we told you earlier this month about the situation involving Foster Farms. The Surface Transportation Board issuing an emergency order directing Union Pacific to deliver five trains of feed to the company based in Livingston, California. Bloomberg taking a look at documents filed in regards to that order, reporting that Foster Farms said it had to pause some operations because of train delays, including shutting down a plant that processes raw corn into animal feed to sell. That was done to give priority to the company's chickens, which can start killing each other when they get hungry. Now, Foster Farms says at the end of last week, six trains loaded with corn were delivered following the board's action. The company processes about a million chickens a day and it supplies retailers such as Costco and Walmart. Union Pacific is blaming weather conditions for slowing deliveries. Parts of Northern California remain soaked after another round of torrential rain and gusty winds hit the state over the weekend, leaving the area vulnerable to more mudslides and flooding. It's reported there have been more than 400 landslides in the last two and a half weeks following a series of atmospheric rivers slamming into the state, bringing a year's worth of rain in a matter of weeks. But conditions are improving out west as meteorologist Chuck Heaver joins us with an update. Well, here's a look at your root zone. Currently, you can see out to the west, wow, it is wet. And no surprise with all of that rain ushered in by the Pineapple Express, of course, in the center part of the country, still extreme drought conditions. And over to the east, not bad. Can you imagine over 20 trillion tons of water has fallen? And look at the dent in the drought, late December, early January, and current. Things are finally looking up for California. The Sierra Nevada mountains already hit by three feet of snow and more is expected. Check out the snow piles just over the Nevada border in the eastern Sierras. That's in California. This is downtown Bridgeport, the area it's known as the East Gateway to Yosemite National Park. All that snow and moisture making a big dent in the state's drought conditions. California reporting the Sierra snowpack is now 120% of average needed by April 1st. I'll have your forecast coming up in a bit. Orange production taking another big hit in the latest USDA crop production report. Now take a look at these numbers. Forecasters now saying the U.S. all orange forecast for the 2022-23 season is for more than 65 million boxes. That's down 5% from the previous forecast and down 22% from the previous season. Looking at Florida alone, now it's forecast to produce 18 million boxes, which is down 10% from the last forecast, but down 56% from the last season. It represents the lowest Florida production since 1936. The problem, dual hurricanes last year and ongoing problems with citrus greening. A warning to show pig owners to make sure you keep a watch on your trucks and trailers. It comes after a pickup and trailer containing two show pigs were stolen in Denver, Colorado over the weekend. Miles Lee of Quincy, Washington in town with his family to take part in the National Western Stock Show. The pigs, along with the trailer and truck, stolen from a hotel parking lot. 
The Denver police say they found the pigs and equipment yesterday morning about 10 minutes from where they were stolen. The police told the family their pickup, an older Ford model, is a hot commodity because of the engine. Now the family reports the pigs are doing okay despite not having food or water for 52 hours. The show organizers even letting them show the pigs today. Now you can read more about what the family went through by heading over to porkbusiness.com. Up next, a deeper dive into expectations for milk prices as class three futures fall below the $20 mark. And later, technology isn't just for consumers. Farmers are doing their fair share incorporating new equipment into their day to day. We head to Las Vegas to see what's next in the country. Ag Day is brought to you by Germinator Closing Wheels. Germinator Closing Wheels provide quicker emergence and are more consistent in dry conditions than any other closing wheels. Order 12 to 16 rows today and qualify for free shipping or 20% off an end zone moisture management package. Joining us with markets this morning, Brian Doherty with Total Farm Marketing. And Brian, we've continued to see pressure here on this milk market, especially those class three fluid prices. Talk about the fundamentals that are weighing on that market. Well, you've got sort of this trifecta is what you have since fall when butter prices peaked out. You've got demand on the wor uh, as a worry to the marketplace. You've got a technical trend that looks down. All contracts now trading under $20 for the whole year ahead. Well, what you have, and confirmed this on the December report, you've got increased cows, you've got increased production, and you've got increased production per cow. So you've got efficiency, and you've got an industry that's responded to high prices. So the producer, despite labor issues and other variables they've had to challenge themselves with, with have figured out how to do more basically with less. And so you've got a downtrend intact. And unfortunately, we've got a weaker concern for the world economic market. Oceana prices were down. Global dairy trade was down this past week, over 2%. So the fundamental picture is challenged, and so is the technical picture. So how much lower do you think these markets are destined to go? Well, the milk market uh, historically is a market that if I had to teach economics, I would, I would put a milk chart up and say high prices secure high prices, lower prices secure lower prices. We're entering into that zone given the input structure that lower prices will likely start to cure lower prices. But unfortunately, I don't know if we've got anything that's going to hold this market up over 19 anytime soon. So it looks like maybe 17 and a half. $18 should be our bottoming area. If we can get some support or corn prices move higher, you might see that market pick up back to 20, but I sure wouldn't look for a repeat of last year. We're looking at something in the mid to upper 20s. It just doesn't look like that's on the demand scale at all. Okay, so quick marketing advice? Stay short if you're short, stay hedged. Um, I would continue to now to maybe switch out of hedges and look at put options to establish price floor mechanisms. If you wanted to forward contract milk, then maybe we forward contract milk, but then look to maybe pick up some out of the money calls. There are really no easy uh, answers right here after the market's already made a move. So we're doing more or less damage control, but yeah. still keep, keep a sharp pencil on the marketing tools. Uh, keep talking to your advisor, keep looking at ways to defend prices. There's no sign that the bottom is in yet. Thanks as much uh, as always for your advice. That is Total Farm Marketing's Brian Doherty joining us here on Ag Day. We'll have more coming up. To discuss marketing strategies, call 800-334-9779.
meteorologist Chuck Heaver joining us here with our national forecast. And Chuck, we've been talking quite a bit about the West Coast, but any of that energy translating it across the rest of the country? It does. In fact, it crosses the mountains, re-energizes in the plains, and in fact, a storm is headed for Chicagoland. Well, all that energy off the West Coast continues to migrate its way into the center part of the country, reinvigorates, and here we have the storm that I had mentioned moving up into around the Chicagoland area, and that's going to give mixed precipitation today up to the north snow and heavier rains further down to the south, especially tonight and into tomorrow on Thursday. That works its way out. Another disturbance out to the west, that skirts to the south, but this is interesting. We actually have colder air migrating its way down into the upper Midwest and the center part of next week. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds, but look at the drought monitor. Wow, has that changed? We were exceptionally dry out here now with all that rain. Certainly that has put a big dent, but the center part of the country is still dealing with exceptional drought situation. The eastern half of the country not doing so bad, but precipitation for January 18th through the 22nd above normal in the center part of the United States and then around normal, maybe a little above normal throughout the rest of the country. Here's future radar. You can see the storm, another storm, classic storm pushing up with heavier rain, maybe some thunderstorms and severe weather down to the south. But look at the snow to the north. We haven't seen that in a while, and that's going to spin its way up into Wisconsin over in towards Minneapolis and then that will work its way again to the east. Chicago looks like it'll be right on that rain snow line, but as that pushes out, it's going to be interesting. We're still going to have mild conditions again until the middle part of next week for most of the country. Here are the high temperatures. There you go for Chicago, 40 degrees down south. Boy, Miami, 80 degrees. Perfect. And for tonight, temperatures dipping down to a cool and chilly 49 in San Antonio. And the temperature then for tomorrow afternoon, we're looking at Sault Ste. Marie at 28 degrees. Now here's a look closer to home. Spokane, Washington, a high 39 and 26. Snow and fog. Shiprock, New Mexico, over by the Four Corners. Clouds break 39 and 14. And there you go. Marquette, Michigan, mostly cloudy. High 27, low 21. Weed Warriors on Ag Day is brought to you by Fierce, a pre-emergence herbicide with three formulations. Learn more at valent.com fierce. Always read and follow label instructions. Sometimes dealing with weeds goes beyond the agronomy to the simple cost of it all. Farm tax expert Paul Niefer offering up a new way of looking at things. He says when determining the best financial option for fighting weeds, use contribution margin. He says contribution margin is the revenues over how much you paid. So if you apply four different chemicals, each one would theoretically increase yields. But as you can see, the cost may help you decide which chemicals to pick. As long as the benefit from all four chemicals is the same, Niefer says farmers will pick C or D versus A or B. And he says having a positive contribution margin will always increase your net income while a negative contribution margin will always decrease it. And in Oklahoma, extension officials are telling livestock owners now is the time to tackle weeds. They report last year's drought conditions forced ranchers to overgraze, which is beneficial for the weeds the animals won't eat. One extension agent telling the Norman Transcript he recommends a fertility treatment along with herbicides, but he says fertilizer should not be applied until later in the spring as applying it now will only encourage weed growth. 
Now applying fertility to the soil is getting more precise all of the time. Up next, see one company's latest innovation and what they think is next for agriculture technology from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. In the Country on Ag Day is brought to you by Pivot Bio. What if you had the nitrogen you need already on seed? Pivot Bio is the first company to apply nitrogen on seed. The nitrogen you need, now on seed from Pivot Bio. Learn more at pivotbio.com. The global tech industry gathered for the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas this month. While it's traditionally focused on consumers, agriculture is also showing up. As Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan found out, the interest in ag's technology story is growing. From driverless vehicles to a flying car, this year's Consumer Electronics Show was full of the latest technology and a few surprises. And one popular attraction was this, the chance to meet and speak with farmers. We actually are a vertically integrated company. We take um, rice from the farm to a finished product and we actually even have our own brand now called Four Sisters. Northeast Louisiana farmer Merrill Kennedy and Travis Center of Kaiser, Arkansas, were just two of the farmers in John Deere's booth this year, answering questions and pulling back the curtain on production agriculture today. The biggest question is, you know, you know, is this machine that we're standing behind autonomous? During this year's CES, attendees didn't just get a look into the future. They were able to see the ag technology already at work in fields across the U.S just having conversations with people that are in a totally different field than you. Sinner considers himself on the cutting edge of adopting technology on his farm. With 38 tractors, three combines, four sprayers, and three cotton harvesters, he was able to give those at CES an inside look at how orchestrating work across 20,000 acres requires technology on his farm today. I remember early days of data, we always I had flash drive. I just chased machines with a flash drive. And I felt like I was just working too hard to gather information and not actually using what I had to get it. A decade ago, Center decided it was time to go all in, processing his farm's information into the cloud while also investing in the systems and technology to propel his farm into the future. I think when you get into automation, which is what's coming, autonomy, being able to drive machines, you're not necessarily going to lose labor. Their job may change from being an operator to actually maintaining and keeping that machine moving. And while some automation is already at work in agriculture today, the velocity at which those changes are happening may be the biggest difference in the years ahead. I have had the opportunity to use that some of that autonomous machines. They brought a demo machine and I was very pessimistic, but it actually, it did a phenomenal job. And so me seeing it firsthand said, okay, we can do this. It can be done. Let's go forward with it. So why is ag tech growing so rapidly? The data is what's allowing good robotics to you know, make more sense. It's allowing for better management decisions. It's allowing for you know, better prescriptions. It's, it, you, know, you have to have the data in place uh, to be able to take advantage of some of the technology that was unveiled uh, either in, in practice or in concept at CES. From artificial intelligence to robotics, CES showed the technology space is ever-changing, and Kennedy knows the future of their family farm hinges on the ability to evolve along with it. For my kids, I have a four and an eight-year-old, um, so if I, I feel like I can do something that's meaningful, bring value to them, future generations to come, preserve the land, that's, that's what it's about. The biggest surprise during the Consumer Electronics Show 
just how excited those consumers were to meet real farmers. A low-tech, high-touch opportunity for the industry to show off its positive impact on the world. All right, thanks, Ty, and that's all the time we have this morning.